0: Welcome to another edition of the podcast. Hello, how are you today? I'm your host, Mitch Corbett, and today I have a absolutely golden guest uh, for you guys to listen to. I'm talking about my friend, fellow comedian, an artist, director, television personality, um, and overall genuinely great dude, uh, Tyler Shazma. Uh, Tyler is a director, uh, filmmaker, uh, comedian, very funny one at that. Uh, and he actually just finished uh, rapping and is is now premiering on Bell TV Uh, the show called This Is The Thing it's an indie uh, rock and roll sort of show Uh, lots of uh, local Hamilton uh, uh, Ontario vibes in terms of comedy and music and it's a it's about uh, one uh, guys that own a record store, one's a comedian, one's a character, and it's. Uh, I watched the first season and it was very, very funny and very uh, different than most programming that you see on TV, and uh, they just released their second season. And so we're here to talk a little bit about that. We're here to talk about his adventures at Skankfest this year, which just uh, finished, uh, I think it was a week or two ago. Um, not sure when this episode will be coming out, but you know, the, the memories are fresh in his mind. So... Without further ado, let's get to the podcast and the episode with the great and powerful Mr. Tyler Shazma. And we're here, live with Tyler Shazma. Oh, he's still connecting to the audio. This is a wonderful intro. Look at it go. Hello? The signal in the country is not that strong, I see. (laughs)
1: it's, It's fine, I was just listening to Misfits really loud.
0: Oh, nice, uh... I was talking to uh, Pablo Torres um, or t- Pablo uh, Tavar. Uh, he runs all the events at the, um, at the uh, the Covenant Garden in London. And he, uh, he's from Columbia and he actually booked the mis- Misfits for a show in Colombia. <laughs> Sick. And I uh, I had to get some good stories from him. And he was just like, I can't really remember all this. All- it happened so long ago. And it was a crazy time. I'm like, but well, still you had to meet and like talk and hang out with the Misfits like before cell phones existed. So like, it got to be like a whole like thing i was like oh so oh, like
1: like a long time ago not recently yeah they're, they're playing like shows again all right i'm just closing everything so my computer doesn't bung up right. <laughs> yeah no he's right, this good. is like
0: before cell phones and everything this is when you first start out uh before you oh. moved to london and uh that's sick yeah it's very sick it's very sick all right, let me go full screen. All right, we're in it. We're in it. We're in it. Got a nice blurry background.
1: What's up, Mitchy? I don't want you to see what goes on back here.
0: It's just full of your dad's uh, nudie mags. Actually,
1: that is the that is the shelf that it was hanging on. That used to, <laughs> used to be in the kitchen. <laughs> the origin of that joke.
0: Oh, fantastic! So, what's going on, my friend? How was your day?
1: So, how was my day? My day was great. I had a great day. Um, pretty mellow day i went and got some uh scrap metal some rebar this morning uh to help with the halloween haunt and uh did some work i don't know with my dog
0: are you doing the um are you doing the uh roast battle tomorrow at uh, fork river or no
1: yeah i'm uh, I'm on the roast battle tomorrow at Fort River. is um, that uh,
0: is it a bracket thing so like after you win or lose you move on to the next round or is it just like a
1: yeah it is it's a it's a they have you paired up against people and i'm against brandon Macintosh, my friend of 15 years i'm taking my sweater off hot. Um, so
0: like all the uh, all the old dirt's gonna come out or i don't know it was fucking harder to
1: write for than it was the right for my girlfriend's roast like um i think because i've known him so long I, heard, I want the jokes to be good and not be too inside but like and that's the other thing with these rows. Like, it's going to be way too inside baseball. Is it going to be funny for the audience? They don't know. You got to really be good on your setups for this and, like, set up who the person is so then the punch lines. I don't know. I went and wrote a bunch of jokes yesterday. We'll see how it goes.
0: Are you trying to pop him most of all? Like, get him so he can't focus on his jokes? Is that part of the strategy? No, he'll be better.
1: He's been working on it longer, and he's got more dirt on me, and he knows how to hurt my feelings more. Yeah. Um, so
0: But he seems like such a wonderful guy. I mean, I don't see him being able to hurt a fly with words yeah. or physically at all.
1: Yeah, Brandon seems wonderful on the outside He's a masochist. He, he's insane. But uh it'll be all right. It'll be fun. There's, Is that many... why he's
0: always constantly preparing for the end of the world?
1: <laughs> yeah, he's stressed out about the world coming to him. And like, yeah. Well we
0: just got you... guys like that, him like heavily medicated at all times.
1: He's very stoned all the time. He's very—he's on acid. He's on DMT. He's in another dimension most of the time. It's about mushrooms, eighty percent of the time.
0: Oh, that sounds like very—I uh, <laughs> don't know if that's true. Perfect way to live life. <laughs> Throwing him under the bus.
1: I'll write a bunch of jokes tomorrow before I get there.
0: If it—if it works for, uh, I guess Joe Rogan, it can work for him, right?
1: Yeah, he was doing it before Rogan, though. I'm pretty sure he was heavy into the psychedelics way before Joe Rogan.
0: I mean, there's no records, so we can't really tell that. Um, But yeah, so let's get into it. You are a filmmaker. You have your own uh, studio. You uh, just released uh, This is a Thing, right? Let's tell, uh, on Bell TV. Um, So where's your head at with all your recent success? I don't have any success. I don't have any recent success. I'm just gonna
1: let you ramble off things about me. Um, Most of what you just said is true. I don't have my own studio. I uh, I work at a studio. A friend of mine has a studio that I'm heavily involved in. I help out at, and it's easier to say that it's mine so people will go there. (laughs) But I just I just work there. I'm just a janitor, really. I clean the floors and stuff um clean the toilets
0: but like you directed like a program that's on bell tv right now like that's a pretty and you got two seasons out of it so far
1: yeah the second season of this is the thing just came out it's out I, nobody knows because bell dropped the ball <laughs> i'm gonna make this interview really hard for you
0: no that's fine well, we uh, i'm pretty be good at my easy. skills i get things out is it good no <laughs> uh yes
1: yeah, season two of this is the thing just came out on bell five um which is bell it's like bell streaming service i guess right it's yeah. what bell uses um to stream. And what I found cool when season one came out was there's so many people I knew that didn't know that they had Bell Five. Like, oh fuck, I have that. I guess I'll watch your show. And then uh season two came out with very little promo promotion promotion. Uh, because Bell didn't give a shit as much as they did for season one. <laughs> What happened was I think they bit off more than they can choose. So they had way too many programs going. And we were one of the first like scripted comedy shows that they picked up um, early on. Cause it's a new model of uh, television programming. It's only been around for a couple of years and we got our first show during the pandemic and uh, our first season picked up then. And We made it through the pandemic which was a feat in itself. Fucking writing and directing and producing a TV show in the pandemic. was a lot of work.
0: <laughs> how uh, how difficult was it to like especially like when we were working with other comedians and people that probably don't really give a shit about certain things going on in life um how diff- difficult was it to like rein in people to wear the mask be the proper safety protocols or anything or did you guys kind of like just wing it
1: no we didn't book any assholes <laughs> everybody on our cast and crew um followed protocol they wanted to work and make money um and it was fun. the coolest thing about our show is we made a show about comedy with a bunch of comedians and then everyone on our crew was a funny person as well so like we had people uh our camera guys our audio guys they're all comedy fans and everybody's making each other laugh but everybody wore their masks and everybody's social distanced and did their job and got it done but we had a great time
0: doing it it was difficult but so it's probably a great time but i have to imagine you know like uh, the 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 i had to imagine like it was probably so hilarious at times that you probably had to like take a like a 15 minute break in between takes just for everyone to calm down because it's hard to like once you've gotten that role that comedy role of like ad-libbing or like you know breaking character that well, that's how
1: we knew it was good whenever uh we knew something was good when it would end with me not saying cut but me just bursting out into laughter and then the whole crew bursting out into laughter and then I would say cut and then we would just try to push it now, I'm not the type of director that likes to do a ton of takes so we would do three or four takes on something but if it was funny we would just okay go wild. like my notes would be like okay just go wild on this one everybody improv and Get nutty with it and see how far we can take it. So, like, well, there's one scene where we're just riffing on bare naked ladies' jokes and bare naked ladies' songs. And Tim and Mike just went for like 10, 15 minutes, just back and forth, just riffing. And like the whole cast and crew, people are biting their knuckles, trying not to laugh. And then as soon as the scene's over, I burst out into laugh. Like, if you go through our raw footage, it's just me fucking cackling at the end of every fucking shot.
0: So, like, now you've had this accomplishment of, like, having two seasons of a show. Yeah, it's not an accomplishment. Not an accomplishment. You're a very humble man. But at the same time, we've talked about your career and how, like, you want to make a director's role and everything. So, like, like, do you have any goals going forward in terms of that? Like, I mean, I know that's what you're trying to aim towards, but, like, do you feel like sometimes you might be getting in your, in your own way in terms of, like, your humility and, like, not you – no, know, like, you're very confident in your job, but, like, you seem to be a bit too humble. For uh, someone that's a director these days, no, I'm good at my job.
1: <laughs> well, I'm that saying though, I'll be like, like, you're like, you're like well,
0: this is a shit show." Blah blah blah. You know what I mean? Like, no, I do. I
1: love, I love writing and directing. I love directing, and uh, I've done some projects um, even over the summer of uh, where I directed other people's scripts. Where people would send me their scripts and I would read them and I would uh, shot list them and think visually how I would put them together and what I'd like to see from the actors and stuff. And uh, actually, did a couple things that were not even comedies, which was out of my comfort zone, but a lot of fun to do. I did a, a like a drama and like a slasher film, and and I like directing because I'm a visual thinker. When I read something or somebody's telling me a story, my brain's firing off like a movie it's seeing it, uh, you know, it's very visual. And I, I kind of came up through the director of photography role and through uh, camera operating and stuff. And I worked at uh, Panavision for a little bit and like learned 35 mil cameras. And I'm really into the optics of everything. I, I love lenses, I'm a lens nerd, um, but uh, I know way too many camera guys that are way better than me. So I was like, I don't want to be in the camera world I like uh, telling telling the story and putting the story together with uh, with the actors and with the shots and knowing like, well, we can shoot this on a 50 mil lens and I wanna do this on Cook S4s and uh, Ari or whatever. So I know the tech side of thing enough that I can talk to like a DP and then me and my DP on, uh, on this is the thing uh, where we've been friends for over 15 years and like we lived together in Toronto, we did sketch comedy together and he's a really good director of photography. So I'd rather just work with a guy like him. And through him, I've met other uh, camera operators and uh, DOPs that I I enjoy working with. So I think I've made that move into being more of a director and I can still like jump on camera if I have to. And I'm working on a couple other Bell Five shows right now. Um, I'm working on one as director of photography. Uh, Scott Falkenbridge is falling down. They've announced that show so I can talk about it. and it's being directed by my good friend, Patrick Capolino, who uh, is the manager of Levity Comedy Club, and, like, I've toured the country with him as a stand-up, and uh, he used to work for Tom Green and stuff, so uh, he brought me on as his DOP, but we kind of have that same relationship, where he could tell me his vision, and I know how to technically execute it, so um, that's been fun for me, and, like, I just want to make comedy, too. I just want to make people laugh, even though I've done a couple other things this summer, but Before that, like before, this is the thing. I directed a bunch of uh, stand-up comedy specials for people too, big names too, in Canadian comedy. Corner Gas, Brent
0: Butt. Um, and like I've seen a bunch of your work now. Uh, The closer we come, as friends, because I want. What what else have you seen? Uh, well, I saw this is the thing season one. I haven't seen you haven't sent me anything to watch uh, season. Have you seen my ding dong? uh has it appeared on the uh or not yet or i know i think yeah. justine's described it once or twice so i don't really need to get a visual so i'm all yeah I'm right. all
1: she <laughs> hasn't described it the lights are off <laughs> how we do it with the lights on um
0: but i did uh, want to ask you like do you like what ask- else have you
1: seen though I, I, I will send you season two i think a youtube link is like it's taken forever to get one but i think there's one coming and i'll send it to you uh i saw your stand-
0: Alex- i saw your uh you directed your friend stand-up uh the scottish guy that was very cool that was funny john moscow i did john
1: moscow's i've done tyler morrison's I've done a bunch i did oh two. i saw
0: tyler's too i think
1: i've done three tyler's last three specials that i directed oh, okay. uh, but but also like uh brandon mcintosh and uh my buddy uh mike Ralston, who's my dop for this, this is the thing and uh, Jeff Campisi, we used to just do web sketches when we were in college or after college, we all lived in a house together in Toronto. And if you go look up whale pranks on YouTube, you'll find a mess of terrible garbage that we wrote and directed and, and shot. And like, that's pretty much like the, the basis for, for all this shit.
0: And like, as a as a comedian, as a performer yourself, and now a director and having both those roles, does that help you with your creativity as a director, like going, knowing how to perform as well?
1: I understand jokes. I like to believe and not I, I would only tell you this on a recorded podcast. That I feel like I understand jokes. And um, there's a different way to visually tell a joke than to write a stand-up joke, but they have a similar formula. And like that, I've, I also, not to toot my horn more, but that's kind of what this is about. Um, I edit a lot of comedy specials and I edit a lot of comedy albums. And I've been told by people in the industry that they like my editing on a comedy album or a comedy special because I understand jokes. And it's not just like that Netflix, I'm sure Netflix has people that understand jokes working for them, but it's like, because I'm a comic and I know timing, it's the timing, you know, it's rhythm. And uh, I think that helps. I think it transfers, I don't know. I just go with my gut. I'm If I can make myself laugh and I can make my friends and the other people in the room laugh, hopefully that translates to uh, everyone watching it laughing.
0: I mean, like in terms of like, you know, having now directing like dramas and stuff and like, I can kind of put yourself out there in terms of doing like other more creative avenues. Do you think that there is more of a mutual respect between you and the person on camera because you yourself have performed and have that performance art in your background?
1: Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I just worked with a really good actor in this uh, drama that I did who's like acted in a ton of cool stuff, but we just like clicked and got along. And uh, he told me after it was one of the best sets that he'd ever worked on. It was just like really comfortable for him as an actor. And we had never worked together before. and he, He's done some pretty big stuff. And uh, that movie should be coming out soon. It's called Clementine. It's a real fucking throat slasher. <laughs> not, to give, not to give it away. It's fun. Um, so, yeah, it's fun working. With, I don't know. I'm, I'm also just like a real, I like to think I'm a real down-to-earth guy. So I, I don't, I try to approach things with no ego, you know. I try to approach things with no fucking, uh, you know, I'm not trying to suck my own dick. I'm just trying to make something cool, trying to make something that looks sweet. And if everybody in the room's on the same page, then hopefully, uh, you know, we we get there by the end of the day or by the end of a couple takes, we know what we're trying to achieve. I'm not one of these fucking guys that's yelling at people to get the shot that I want. Like, if the camera guy sees a better shot than I have, I trust you, that's the part of good producing, too, is putting the right people in place.
0: So, like, where do you think that kind of, like, deviates right like as a director who likes like to have a carefree kind of like set going where everyone's happy everyone's collaborative where do you think some directors go when like they were they're so controlling it's a miserable set and like they get what they need but like you know like do you li- have a little of, uh, ego <laughs> has helped you more than it has deterred you in your career um
1: i'm comfortable with the size of my genitalia
0: That's that it. Helps. That's all you need to. That's all you need. To, you don't need to drive a four F 150 truck to go get around town to show everyone.
1: Oh. And then those get and those directors that are yelling at their crew probably have
0: tiny meters But you like you know what I mean though, right? I mean, like, cause like there are a lot of people that get ahead in life by being complete assholes but like
1: a lot of people just want they want to do it more than they know how to do it like i think that's a big thing so like especially indie film and and even young comics and stuff you know they're like they they're ahead in their brain they're ahead of where they actually are where i think i've always probably been two steps behind where i'm actually am and i'm just i'm trying to make the coolest thing i can but I don't know, I don't know. Really you're, trying to, you're I, trying to get into my brain,
0: man. Yeah, but it's fascinating because, like, you tell me some stories about, like, who you've hung out with and who you know in situations you've been from comedy and directing, and I'm like, how the fuck <laughs> do you get yourself in these rooms with some of the most talented people in the world? Lucky. <laughs> you know, well, that's the thing, though, like, but, like, it's, I got, got horseshoes. up It's ass. not just luck, though, like, you gotta be, you gotta be good to be lucky is with a common phrase, right? So, like, you have something there obviously that people like and want to excel upon so like like do you like how do you reward yourself how do you give yourself credit i mean like you know you're doing good things but at the same time you're like eh, not, not a big deal right
1: go home i crank one out and call it a day <laughs> smoke a joint eat some mcdonald's no.
0: I do want to mention this though right so like we've (laughs) known sorry i'm not making this easy for you i don't know
1: i don't know i I get to hang out with some cool people and i'm really grateful for the people i've gotten to work with um and then i've done well when i've gotten to that those people bring me back i was lucky i i met a really good canadian comedy producer um Danny Menlo early on, who runs TooFar.tv, but he also had connections with Kenny Hots and with uh, Barry Katz. And we went to JFL and we just went to Skankfest this weekend. And he really hooked me up with Tyler Morrison. Who's, I just get hooked up with these people that have other connections who know other people that just, the ball keeps rolling. And I'm cool to be around. I'm not a dick. I don't fuck up much. And I I I know the I know the tech world, so I can a little bit not not, but I know what cameras. And if I don't know, I know somebody who knows. So it's it's a chain link fence of just trying to put the right people together. And I've been lucky that those people bring me back there. That answers your question.
0: It does. And and speaking of like talking to creative people and to people that you run that are in your life. I had uh, your girlfriend Justine on the podcast earlier when we talked about her Halloween haunt and everything, and I broached a talk about her being with you and how much it's bettered her life in terms of creativity. Yes,
1: talked about me.
0: Yeah, we talked because I, I, we talked about how the Halloween haunt and how like your creativity helped her in her uh, goal of like being the hallway haunt and everything so I that, love what
1: she does and I
0: have kind of noticed a change in you since you guys started dating whereas you do seem to be more productive with your comedy and you're working on new material so kind of giving me a little uh knowledge of that like what is it like being with someone who is also creative and also driven like does, has that helped you and your
1: absolutely um and just someone who's supportive um and like a comedy fan like she's such a comedy nerd like more so than I even realized like they like every day she mentions someone like how do you even know who that person is you you pay attention more than I do and like um she's just comedy fan she's a comedy nerd and I don't know we got a really good thing going where we support each other and want to see each other succeed and uh she knows how big my hog is you would think. right <laughs> and, <laughs> no, and she helps uh she helps me and i i think everything she does is so rad and like what she does with her fundraising and with the halloween haunt and um that was one of the first things i fucking gravitated towards her because she raises tons of money for mental health and that's something that's near to me and um, i think that's fucking rad so anyway i can help and i wish i could help more sometimes i don't help enough, but like we do uh we feed off each other well when it comes to working together on stuff like that and then uh same doesn't go for joke writing i read her a bunch of my jokes yesterday and she's like you're not funny leave me you know? <laughs> well,
0: i mean that's like you know i both know her very very fairly well uh, obviously obviously hilarious too she's, she's so, fun. so funny like it's summit is so unintended we're, we're not gonna start ridiculous. sucking her dick now are we pardon we're not gonna start sucking her dick now are we well, she has a huge one so we could share at the same time it'd be fine i gotta go sorry, to i, I gotta off. go to replace and
1: do that after leaving <laughs>
0: uh so you mentioned uh Fest. um what were you doing there tell us what was happening and and like the, some of the stories there man because like you came back. I saw you yesterday at Frankenfurter's and you look exhausted. That like you had not recovered from the trip.
1: I, so I imagine,
0: like I, did, I saw you posting photographs. It looked like a fucking time man, man.
1: It's uh, it was This I've been to a few comedy festivals. I've been to just for Laughs, a few times. and I've been to Halifax a month and in the Canadian ones. Just as usually, just as a as a filmmaker, never as an actual comic. Um, um but uh that's why i went to Skankfest as well was as a filmmaker not as a comedian which is funny when you're there people always are like are you a stand-up you-? yeah <laughs> i almost did two shows but uh, i didn't end up getting up i probably could have but i didn't really press too hard because i was busy because i went down um went down with decentral comedy um which if you don't know what or comedy decentral Decentral comedy,
0: comedy central i think it is
1: uh, no it's comedy it's Decentral Comedy. Decentral Comedy. Decentral Comedy, which is a comedy club in the metaverse, in Decentraland. Which, if you're not privy to the metaverse, get there, because it's the future, and I'm not at all either. I have no idea what these nerds are talking about. But they have a comedy club in the metaverse, and uh, they've actually screened in... Uh, Decentral Comedy in the Comedy Club. They've screened a bunch of my work already. Um, they screened Tyler Morrison's special. They screened Mike Wilmot's special, which I uh, filmed. They've screened a podcast that I've done with Tyler Morrison and Mike Wilmot, um, with Jerry Campbell and Ian Gordon. Um, some stuff I did with Fiona O'Brien. So I've worked with enough comics that I have all this material. And basically what this Comedy Club is, it, right now it's like another place to stream stuff it's just like a place to stream um comedy specials but it's seen by people all over the world right anyone can create an avatar walk in there and the idea is eventually it's going to be in vr and you'll just be walking around in this world and you'll go to this comedy club and you can spend money
0: that's via... not nerving at all but yeah cool uh spend, spend money
1: under like it's all bitcoin it's all cryptocurrency it's all fucking wearables and NFTs and shit. The Matrix
0: real, guys. We are behind one. It is,
1: this is the Matrix. So what we went to Skankfest to do, and um, there's an app that uh, the guys at Decentral have access to, and they can scan you, and it takes like five minutes. They scan your face. You go chin up, chin down. You do a little 360. It scans your body perfectly and creates like a Tony Hawk video camera. Video uh, game character of yourself and then the idea is then a comic could be performing a show they could screen that into the metaverse so they could be in a 50-seater room screen that to a million people in the metaverse and then walk in as their avatar and do a meet and greet they could talk to the crowd do you know q and a's hang out in the room as their avatar so like uh, I think did I show you some avatars yesterday? Uh, no. I, I had a few. Um, maybe I can show you through the screen. We did uh, we did one with Bobby Kelly. Um, we got Poopies from uh, Jackass. We got you know, Godfrey. We got, like, tons of uh, people. All right, so we were there at Skankfest. So basically, Decentral Comedy was a big uh, sponsor of Skankfest. They had their own stage there. Um, we had a table set up where we were, uh, you know, telling people about it. We we're scanning people. I would, my main job was to run around and just do behind the scenes footage. I was walking around on the streets with JJ Lieberman. And if you don't know JJ, he's a hilarious comic from Toronto. He's in New York now. Fucking just super funny. And, uh, so he was outside asking people if they knew about the metaverse and it was, it was super funny. Um, here, let me show you if I can show you this through my computer screen. I won't put the volume on. So, there's you see my, see my screen, bit? that out be being blurry. Hey, yeah, kind of see it. See yeah. that? Yeah, there's there's Bobby and Annie lederman And uh, there, go to the screen.
0: That's see? not working at all.
1: <laughs> well, you can kind of see what the actually, if you go, go to Decentral Comedy on Instagram, we posted a bunch of them. We did Luis Gomez. Uh, we did Aaron Berg, and um, so uh, we were just there documenting the trip and uh, letting people know about Decentral Comedy, and uh, got all access passes, Again, was hang- we were hanging up in the green room doing a podcast with people, with uh, Tyler Morrison and John Moses, all these names I'm dropping are hilarious comedians, so go check them all out, because they're they're hilarious, but yeah, I was there with uh, with John Moses, Tyler Morrison. And, uh, we just fucking ran around Skankfest and told people about the future, but then also got drunk and partied and had to fucking beat off some hookers.
0: Do you, do you feel like that, that decentral, um, sort of thing is, is that the future of comedy? Like, are, are you like, I mean, I can't imagine like,
1: I'm a purist, so I don't think it's the future of comedy, but I think it's definitely another Avenue. It's an Avenue that was sparked up during, uh, during the pandemic, and I think uh, a lot of guys were doing Zoom shows during the pandemic. I personally did one Zoom show during the pandemic, and it was who just said that? What? Who just said brutal, eh? Yeah, because I I
0: saw one. Did you say that?
1: Yeah.
0: It didn't sound like you, it sounded like somebody else. (laughs) No, because like, so like, you did one. What was that experience Uh, like? Because Maka, through her work, we had like a a two- They one. It was terrible. (laughs) Um, was, like we said set, set up stuff, a green screen. LOL and it just it just like they were trying their best and they were actually very good comedians but like it was just it did not translate at all
1: what was weird was because you, you had headphones in and you could hear people laughing but they're all like isolated laughs and stuff and all the other comics on the show like had their mics either on or off I set up a green screen behind me I was keying in their logo and stuff you know because I got the lights and stuff so I went, all, went all out I did one of it I bombed. I knew I was bombing. I started like trying, I was doing it beside my closet. So I started like putting on vests and different shirts and stuff and totally just bombing. And then at the end, uh, I took my headphones off and I was like, well, that fucking sucked. And uh, the host goes, "Uh, your mic's still on. (laughs) They can hear me when I said that fucking sucked. So that was the only one I did. So I did one. And uh, but a lot of people are doing that. A lot of people were finding other ways to do comedy and i think uh this land thing came out of it what i think is cool about it and uh is the decentral part of it is the the de-censorship no censorship um because there's a bit of a war on comedy right now on on some people that are don't you know the YouTube algorithms and the Instagram algorithms are, are taking people's content down when maybe they shouldn't. There's bad comedy out there, of course, but, uh, some people are being censored too hard. And I think this will be a place where, you know, piss and shit jokes can live and and not get taken off of YouTube. Cause I think you're going to see that tighten up more with censorship on, who can say what. So something like Skankfest and the type of comics that perform at Skankfest, this is, Decentraland is perfect for them because those are the guys that are getting their shit taken off of YouTube for being too edgy. And I'm not talking about these fucking edgelords out there that are trying to be over the top edgy and saying nasty, terrible things. I don't like those fuckers, but there's some, I like good, dirty comedy and I like good, offensive comedy when it's done proper, you know, like... So I think that uh, this is a good route for that
0: when you when you think about comedy because like I think we both love comedy I think you're more uh, studied in the art form um, you mentioned how like you know art form how to you know you know how to construct a joke you know how what a jo- how a joke works but there are certain comedians out there that are so uh, left field right field whatever you have you um, and it just sometimes it works so like how how do you define... How do you come up with your material? How do you help others enhance their material when they're doing a stand-up show or anything?
1: I I develop material very slowly. <laughs> um, it, it takes me a long time, but I work it all to death. And I, I like uh, doing my jokes over and over again until they're fucking perfect. Um, I also... Like to get really hard and walk outside in the cold and just
0: you it out so it becomes an ice cold when a pops. Um, like no, I, it pops. You could spit and it would be like negative for you. It would just freeze and fall on the ground. It's just your cum doing the same thing. Exactly. Um, I shoot her. Oh my God. Watch out. <laughs> Comesicle. I like cold cum. Um, Bring it back but, to Christine. She's like, What is this? It's a gift. <laughs> lick it. <laughs> uh, I, I I write
1: in a notebook, I, I sit down, I think of, a lot of my stuff is personal, I, I try to write stuff that's uh, that's real to me, stuff that I don't have a lot of crazy views on the world or anything right now, I wouldn't mind getting there, a lot of my material now is uh, stuff that's happened to me in my real life, funny stuff, and funny stories, and things I think are weird, and uh, you know, just, you know, weird observations and stuff. But once I once I'm working on something, I like to uh, get it on stage and then uh, work it out and then rewrite it and, and I, I beat things into the ground until I know they're good and then I kind of put them away, have kind them of in the chamber.
0: Do you like with your with your group of comedy friends and you being a director? Have you had anyone uh, reach out to like just film material for them so they can maybe use for a special or um, both, have both. you have you my pre-
1: phone oh, doesn't shut up.
0: <laughs> have you approached yourself about doing your like filming your own stand up and making your own special or some of like that?
1: For me, I want to do it when it's right and when like I have enough producer friends that I talk to on the regular about it that uh they'll let me know when they think it's right and everybody says it's close, but um, I think there is a little bit of added pressure because I am the go to guy one of them there's a few in this country but i am lucky enough to be one of the people that produces a lot of albums for people um i produce a lot of independent albums i produce all the albums that come out through cottage comedy digital those are all um technically produced by me and along with tyler morrison and uh i think there is some added pressure and added pressure that I put on myself that when I do my album, I want it to be right. I want it to be good. I want to at least have been working as a headliner for a period of time where like I get my little headline spots here and there now, which is great. I get to work out longer sets. I can totally cover 40 minutes. No problem with the material I have, Um, but it's not all fucking gold. And I I'm a perfectionist and a purist and I want it to be fucking perfect when I do it. So it's uh, it'll come and it'll happen and I have all the resources to make it happen on a good level when it does but my phone is constantly blowing up with people asking me how much I charge, can you come do this I fucking produced an album last night that I completely forgot about so I had to hire a sound guy in Toronto to go down, I was fucking skank fest! I totally forgot I booked this thing I was like there's no way I can get microphones and make it to Toronto, I was feeling a little sick yesterday, you saw me, I was oh, there's no way so I called up a sound guy I know, he was luckily available, he went down, he recorded it, sent me the files this morning, I listened to them, they're good. I'll do all the mixing and mastering on them and the editing now, but uh, I'm lucky that I'm moving out like, like kind of like we were talking about directing and how I used to be more of a camera guy and then I moved into directing with the audio stuff. I know how to set up mics and record and make sure the levels are good and it sounds good. And I'm getting really good at the mixing and mastering part, the post-production side of things. I'm working on an album right now uh for uh it's kind of like a Yucky X compilation thing with Brian O'Gorman and john Morrison. And they just sent me files too. So I'm getting to a point now where a lot of people just send me files. I mix and master, I can edit, or I'll tell you that it's fucking shit if it's shit. But a lot of time I can save stuff. So uh, like last night, I just sent a sound guy that I trust probably better than me going and recording it, paying a guy to go do it, and uh, and then I'll just cover the post end, and you know, eventually I won't have to be the guy covering the post end, and I can just produce. That's what a good producer does. They just put the right people in place and, and answer the phones, which, yeah, my phone's blowing up all the
0: time. Do we want to post your uh, phone number so more people can get in touch with you during the oh
1: don't no, people can find me anyway I get an Instagram message too, will get Facebook messages people find me I have two email, three emails and like my business email people, Silver Drop Media people come to that for comedy so I'm lucky though because like 99 I know what you do for work you work in film or video right? Yeah. you work, you work in bullshit cable television <laughs> yeah. I know what you do yeah. I'm, I'm lucky that 80 85 percent of my work is in comedy it doesn't translate well to the old bank account but
0: but like you we talked
1: i about- I, I, get, I get i get notes on my phone like hey maybe we should cut that cum guzzling joke and move that tranny joke down to space. let's add some more laughs to that tranny joke if we can like those are the notes i get on my stuff i'm like that's I work in comedy, so that's I can't complain. Eighty percent of my work is in comedy, and then every now and then I got to take pictures of watermelons.
0: And then, like we talked about it briefly when we were at Fort River, and like, it's it's the long game, right? Like what you're doing will lead to success eventually because you're doing the work and you're doing it properly. Nah, and, there's no success getting, in you're comedy. Gained, you're, you're getting those credits. You're, you're doing the damn thing. Something that I probably should have gone down because you seem a lot more happier than I am. <laughs> I'm not i'm
1: miserable i'm happy now i got a beautiful girlfriend but i'm miserable yeah. everywhere
0: else uh, so we're gonna wrap this thing up uh tyler thank you for the conversation uh what uh what else do you want to promote uh, before we leave here
1: well we're wrapping it up already i feel yeah. like we're just getting just getting the fucking throttle turned here buddy wrapping it up already yeah. uh what's what to promote
0: uh you, you can, gotta go home to the beautiful wife don't you <laughs>
1: I do, uh, if my laundry's done, I'm at my dad's doing laundry, and I'm going to go back to my beautiful wife. Uh-uh. uh, I'm on, I'm on social media. You can follow me there at Ty Shasma on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, see, season two of This is the Thing is fantastic. I am proud of it. A lot of people put a lot of hard work into it. It looks fantastic. It is available on Bell Five. As much as I was shitting on Bell for slacking on the promo, I'm very grateful for the opportunities they've given me, and uh, I'm working on two other Bell shows right now. Um, so I fucking appreciate that platform.
0: Before
1: <laughs> You have to fucking put this all together. I was gonna say, just come see me. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, and stuff come see me do stand up because we didn't talk about it too much. But I stand up is what I love more than anything. I work in stand up because I love stand up, yeah. we me do doing. About it. We like, yeah, I, it came up. Like- I'm just saying, I post dates, I post shows I got coming up. I don't know when this will come out. Oh, let's promote this because I know this will probably come out before. My show at Fork River on November 25th. Um, buy tickets for that if you're in the London, Ontario area. November 25th, Shaftsman Friends forking around. I've got Tom O'Donnell. I got Jared Campbell. I've got Tyler Morrison. I've got other special guests coming out. Caitlin Chavara. Um, it's going to be a fucking sick show. So come to that. That's the big stand up show to promote.
0: And so, like, you're also, yeah, well, we can get more into it as well. I mean, we got time. For, why not? Um, you also book your own comedy shows as well. So, like, was that, like, I mean, I tried running a few shows myself, but I, I, hate my connections. I don't know the people well enough to, like, you know, book outside of, like, the scene and everything here in London. But you have those connections. So, like, uh, when you when you book a show, when you contact a comedian, is it, like, a yes right away, like, knowing because of your background in stand-up and having those reps?
1: Uh, that helps because a lot of these guys are my friends now um money also helps and um location helps but i hate i hate booking and promo on stand-up shows that's why this show i do i like this show because i like fork river and i like helping them out um but i only do quarterly we did one in august we're gonna do one now in november we'll do another one in the spring we will do another one in the summer we'll do quarterly but uh it's fun because I can bring out some cool friends that maybe not maybe won't come out to London that often. But uh yeah, it's I don't like running and up shows. I love all the bookers that book me because I see how hard it is.
0: What was it like the first time you got called to be booked on a show? I don't know. I was happy. I was going to work. Like everyone remembers like that moment, like where like someone asks you to be on a show, like a paid show, and it's like, are you fucking like Oh my god, it's happening! Like,
1: I was in—I uh, started in Toronto, so I was in Toronto at the time. So it was very cool because there's such a large pool of comics to choose from. But uh, I got in with some cool guys doing some cool mics, so I got on some cool shows early on. I did some cool stuff. i, I won the Branford Comedy which the Branford Comedy Fest. But I won the Branford Comedy Festival within my first year. I got to open for Jeremy Hots, and like that opened a bunch of doors for me. So people at least knew my name. And uh, you know, start hanging out with the Hamilton guys and working the clubs there. And it's uh, just—it's again like the filmmaking thing. It's—it's kind of just being a good cat and being funny. If you can prove it when you're on stage, it helps, and then people book you. Um,
0: So I try my best. When you're uh, like, we talked about how you like kind of like take a long process to like really get a joke down pat was that always the case or oh yeah I did when, when did you learn that lesson like i mean i feel like everyone when you start you're like i gotta get out as much material as possible as you can, blah can blah, because blah, you're always trying to do new stuff but you weren't that way
1: no i went into it with the pretty much the same first five to seven minutes that i wrote and i did that same fucking five minutes for probably a year if not longer year and a half maybe but it was dialed but I couldn't do any more and it was all about having a giant testicle but it was five minutes on having a giant testicle and then uh like when I I did that theater show with Jeremy Hotz he was standing on the side of the stage when I got off and he was like fuck five minutes all on one thing and it was laser tight by then and not my testicle it was big and bulky but <laughs> the jokes were laser tight but uh so yeah, like that's that was kind of my style. Then I was like by the time I've been doing those jokes for too long, it's like and I was writing new stuff. I'll do something where I'll write something and I'll rewrite it a bunch before I ever take it to stage. I try to take things to stage quicker now. That's one thing that I do. Sometimes I'll think of something day of and I'll bring it to stage that night. Especially I know what rooms are my open mics that I can work shit out on now. So I try to go to those rooms with some new stuff to play with. But people see me doing the same stuff at open mics a lot, but it's because I'm still figuring it out. Because I know it hasn't clicked yet. I gotta wait for it, to, it There's a moment where I'm just like, oh, that that's clicked, and now I can do it on. I can do it on weekend shows when I'm booked at Levity, or you know, I can do it on bigger shows when I'm, when I'm on the road with Tyler or whatever. So
0: how how important is it to be able, like, because you said you start out in Toronto, and like, I imagine there's like, so I many... did it
1: backwards. I did it wrong. How so? I started in Toronto and then I moved out of Toronto. Yeah, then I moved to so Hamilton. Many and weeks, then I moved.
0: So many mics in Toronto, that each crowd's going to be different. Whereas here in London, every crowd, it's like the majority of the crowd is primarily comedians. So, like, I feel like having- Same in
1: Toronto, same in Toronto. Really? 85% of the crowd in Toronto is just comics, especially at open mics. It's all the comics, talking to comics. It's worse in Toronto. It's an empty, dark room of sadness and then seven comics or 17 comics waiting to get on. It's not better. What I like about out here, what I like about um, is where I live, I live out in the middle of nowhere when I'm not staying at my beautiful girlfriend's place. Um, I live out here and, but I can get to Hamilton in 45 minutes and I can get to Kitchener-Waterloo in 45 minutes. I can get to London in 45 minutes. And there used to be shows in Brantford even at the train station and stuff. Used to be a wicked show at the train station. So like the first couple of years I was living back out here, I could still get up every night of the week. And I, uh, because you're driving 45 minutes, you're thinking about that set the whole time. And the drive home, you're thinking about that set and it's getting laser focused. It's not just like in Toronto, I try to hit, as I do the grind, I try to hit as many rooms in a night as you could. You do five, like five, six mics in a night, but you're just biking across town and running around like an idiot. And sure, like, by the fourth set of the night, the, the jokes are getting dialed in. But uh, I think you appreciate the stage time more, doing it the way I've been doing it for the last few years. And, like, I moved to Hamilton for a bit right when Hamilton was sick and, like, I was getting up every night there. And then I wasn't coming out here as much, but I'm back here. So I, I drift around. I get back to Toronto a couple times a month, too, usually for spots.
0: And so, like, having like, you seem to be a uh, a part of, like, so many different scenes. Poker, in like, a lot of fires, man. Pardon? My poker's in a lot of fires. Yeah, do you feel like that's beneficial to you?
1: Yeah, I'm a ghost. I'm a fucking... I'm an enigma. I come in and out. Uh, you know, I'm a well-oiled machine, usually. Like, it takes me a while to start actually hanging out with the scene. Um, for a while... With uh, even this new scene that's popped up in London, like kind of pre pandemic and during the pandemic and uh, post pandemic, I wasn't coming into London that much. And when I did, I'd pop in, I'd drop a set. Um, fucking Keely messaging me, fucking your podcast host, man. Um, I'd pop into London, I'd do a set, and then I'd leave right away because I got the drive, you know, or I wouldn't talk to i sit in the back. I still kind of just sit at the bar sometimes because that's just me getting in my own head. I don't like, I like the social aspect of stand up, but I also like uh you know thinking about the jokes before I go on and I, I like getting social after and i'll I'll stick around and I'll talk to Pat Tiff until eleven in the morning and then he'll wander to the street and break his arm. <laughs> That's what happened that night that Pat broke his arm. He talked to me too late and I think he got a little tired. He lost his footing.
0: What are you uh speaking of uh, Pat and uh people in the comedy scene. Uh, Comedy is such a uh, wonderful, with an aster asterisk beside it. I scene, and we you get to meet so many different characters from all walks of life.
1: Mm -hmm. It's truly I love everybody. It's it's really as a small town person. I grew up in a real small town. Still live in one um the amount of people i've met from every walk of life every so i probably have a friend that's from every country around the world you know or not every country every continent at least like I, i've met so many people different walks of life so we all get along because of fucking stand-up and that's it
0: what's you uh, do you have any what's your um i'm wrapping up after this because i want to hear like your best worst story in comedy what, uh, what? What's that? What's the question? What's your uh, best worst story from a my best worst
1: story my best worst story like a like a bomb story?
0: Um, a, a bomb story? story or like something that went terribly wrong during a show or you know just something that went off the rails after an event. Like what's once- it all? Holy you know, like, holy shit. Story you have. I've had it all.
1: I've had, I've had people tell me that I suck. People tell me to kill myself. Uh <laughs> i was opening i was doing those uh i was doing emceeing for uh spenny from kenny versus spenny but like on his solo fucking acoustic music tour or like he's just looking for money or whatever you know and we're playing a fucking bowling alley in tilsonburg ontario right and i'm MCing the show i'm uh i'm hosting the show and there was like these rappers on like these white farm kid rappers you know they're rapping about hay bales and fucking riding their mom's out of school um so there's these kids rapping so i had to bring the rappers up and then they had like a little fan base of white rappers and then uh and then there's another comic on the show and he did all right um and he was okay and then i'm emceeing and then i like. I don't know when it was, it was probably right before, yeah, right before I had to bring Benny up. And he's in the green room, right? And I'm bombing all night. I'm just eating shit and I know I'm bombing. And that was the first time I had somebody shout out, you should kill yourself. And I was like, "Mm, just trying to live my dream up here in a fucking bowling alley in Tilsonburg opening for a washed up Canadian TV star. (laughs) So i wonder if he knows that well he knows (laughs) because i told told him i said that he heard it um so i bomb and then i bring him up and he does his little acoustic music thing and uh and then after the show i like i don't want to hang around i just eat shit all night and then uh but i have to hang around because i gotta get paid my 25 dollars so i'm waiting by the bar to get paid my 25 dollars and spenny comes over to me and he puts his arm around me and he goes uh, don't worry man i tried stand up once too uh, like he said it like as if it was my first time i was probably like i don't know three or four years in of <laughs> doing it every night i was like yeah that's not my first time hey look who it is let's answer this Hey, you're on speakerphone. I'm on Mitch's podcast. You're on speakerphone. I'm still on Mitch's podcast. Oh, why is this mute thing on? I don't understand why she's been muted all night.
0: Well, it's probably for the best, to be honest. She's a very loud person. Yeah, I
1: know. It's so weird. <laughs>
0: All right, man. We're going to let you get to it. I'll uh, talk. I'll see you tomorrow. And uh, I'll, I'll get to hear that Skankfest story tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you that tomorrow. Anyways, I tried to answer the phone. In my beautiful girl. I was probably wondering where I am. Um, anyway.
0: You need that very adequate dick of yours.
1: Thank you for thank you for having me on, man. That's a lot of fun.
0: All right, man. I hope you had a good time.
1: I did. Uh, I hope you have a good evening. And uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: Cheers, buddy. Rock on. Thanks, buddy. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Tyler. Uh, if you want to reach out to him and find out more about him, uh, check him out on Instagram at T-Y Shazma. That is T-Y-S-H-A-Z-M-A uh, on Instagram. Uh, you can check out his production company, Silver Drop Media, which is available on Instagram as well. Uh, Green, Door, Green Door Hamilton on Instagram. And, of course, you can check out uh, This is a Thing on Bell TV. So that's it for this week. I hope you guys had a great uh, week. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode, and I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the podcast coming forward not sure when or where they'll come but goddamn, i'm getting I, i'm enjoying all the episodes we're doing on for season two so let's keep this train of rolling see you guys down the line cheers